Welcome to Holistically Heal Thyself. I am Jess Becker, the founder of Real Connections, and I'm excited to share holistic experts, health and wellness practitioners, and people doing awesome things in the community. They'll be sharing their journeys and leaving you with tips, tools, and techniques for you to use in your own personal life. Today, I am chatting with Octavia Rahim, author of Pause, Recipe, and Gather, and the founder of Star, Shine, and Clay. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Jess. I'm so excited to chat with you and connect with you. I keep seeing your book everywhere. Um, we have some mutual friends. I'm new to Atlanta, so you know, jumping in here and being so lucky to find people like yourself that have been doing their work for so long um, really inspires me and, and makes me feel really welcome in this community. So I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, so I, I actually would like to start with us pausing together. And then that way, we'll be inviting the listeners into a pause, into a space of honoring um, this transition, right? Something was happening, then we paused. <laughs> now we're joining together in conversation. And so just to, we'll take maybe three breaths together to acknowledge that we um, cr are crossing a threshold together. And so we'll pause for just three breaths. And then the next invitation is to notice what, if anything, shifted in that seemingly small pause. Um, but I believe it was big enough, right? It was enough for this moment. So you asked me who I am. I am going to introduce myself through the mothers who brought me into being. I am Octavia Rahim, daughter of Millie Rose Miller, daughter of Annie Mae. Williams, daughter of Mama Rosa, daughter of many, many women whose names I do not know, yet whose um, being and love are the foundation of who I am. I'm the mother of Oyetunde Nazir Rahim, and I am uh, the mother of two books and um, I'm the mother of myself as well. I teach yoga. <laughs> I have taught yoga. Um, now, more than asana and movement, I teach how to um, pause and how to rest and how to be and how to be still as a necessary prerequisite for the most profound transitions and movements within our lives. So I'll say that that's a um, little bit of who I am and what I do, but I think like all of us, the essence is beyond beyond the words. So, you know, we, we grapple and try to find the words that um, communicate something that someone else can understand about who and what we are and what we do. Sure. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. And when you talk about pause recipe, um, I'm curious, what was your path to this work? What brought you to the mat? And when you say yoga, I'd love to hear from you what that means. What brought me to the mat is heartache, um, disillusionment. Um, the date that I often cite as my yoga anniversary is January 9th, uh, 2003. But in the retelling of that first time that I really, really remember going to a yoga class and staying and then returning again and again was January 9th, 2003. But I also took yoga as a um, introductory our PE course in college. Um, and so that would have been the fall of 98 or 99, right? And, um, and so curiosity took me to that first class in college and necessity in this one sense. And heartbreak brought me back in 2003. And those two things continue to be important threads on my journey, curiosity. Um, for the way this life unfolds and curiosity about path and possibility and also heartbreak itself, this, you know, um, evolution of my being, heartbreak isn't necessarily someone hurt me, <laughs> but in that sense, it was in 2003. Um, now heartbreak is you know, the wound where the light enters, the, the, the valley and the peak, the opening, um, the expansion, right? Because a break is, is many things, it's also an opening. And so you asked the question, what brought me to pause rest being and to be a little more efficient with my language. Um, Asana started to feel stagnant to me. Movement started to feel uh, like I was actually going nowhere. And of course, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And at the point where I was like, there has to be more to this, right? Because I think if you do enough warrior twos, you start to feel Vera. You start to understand there mm -hmm. is so much more um, to this path, even if no one's telling you, right? And I felt, I uh, feel fortunate enough that I, you know, had a teacher who also practice more limbs and I was introduced to meditation and I was like, okay, now I feel like something's happening <laughs> right inside, inside. Sure. You know, I was using my physical practice to disassociate from my body, to control my body versus be in relationship or, or, or move toward union um, with with this body. And it also, you know, I have deep compassion for that version of myself because this body has been rejected by systems and institutions and oppressed in the sight of much harm. And so I was actually using my practice to try to flee from, from that, um, from having to feel all of that. And it was the stillness that said, come here, <laughs> you cannot flee. And you also don't need to, you can be held in the stillness 
and the quiet. And that sounds really beautiful and poetic. And I also want to honor that um, the movement actually prepared my body and my nervous system in that way to be able to accept the medicine of stillness. And because of that, right, I always have this deep bow toward asana, even as I am adamant and very clear nowadays that it can't be the only thing we're practicing. Um, and so because I had done poses for so long, and then I, after my first sit, my first proper meditation class, blown, mind blown in like 20 minutes, but I had logged at this point hours of movement that felt good, you know, like you get the endorphins, but something else happens in that moment of meditation, even as I struggled, even as I was like, am I doing this right? You know, even as I had like one eye open, looking out, being like, you know, something shifted. And so um, that became, if I would move, that I must be still, you know, really honoring um, the stillness because the stillness really more immediately and for me yielded um, something I was looking for that I, I didn't really know what I was looking for, but I found it in the stillness. And then also just being incredibly tired <laughs> and incredibly exhausted and um, living life in this way, like I was on, not like I was on, but on the treadmill that is, that was always speeding up. And I was like, who is pressing these buttons? Right. <laughs> and so and it, it kind of felt out of control and where I could ground into a sense of, I am more than what I can do and produce and, um, more than my work, more than all of these things, love my body. And more than that, I started to feel into more of that in, in the quiet spaces, in the still spaces. Um, and this, I'm not perfect at this. And that is why it's a practice. And I really have great reverence and devotion to how the practice, you get a little drip of insight, it holds you. And then, you know, the practice keeps calling me back to myself and to itself. Um, and so really the short answer is <laughs> what brought me here is curiosity and, and um, heartbreak that evolved into expansion and opening. And what brought me to the reverence I have for the pausing and the resting and the being is, it did, right? But when I finally sat down and was still, it was like, I've been waiting for you. Um, and also stillness and pausing is a place where the mirror gets really clear. Um, meaning that I can see and sense more of my infinite and eternal self than when I'm just constantly doing. And I don't know about you or your listeners. I'm interested in both, right? I'm very much of this world, very much a daughter of this world and a mother in this world and a lover in this world. And I'm also um, deeply um, interested and connected to what else am I? Um, and so you asked me also what yoga is, and we, 
I used to think, oh, it's so cliche, it's all so simple, this yoking, this union, this uniting. And I'm like, actually, that's it. The word is the yoke, to yoke, or the union. But what that union is, is the the light and the dark, (laughs) Um, the luminous and the shadow, the grief and the joy, the black and the white, you know, of uh, the joining together, the, the non-binaries, right? The binaries and the non-binaries, this joining together of what we kind of um, culturally and socially and conditionally learn, you know, the things we learn that are, they're just separate. <laughs> when all the while there is no night without day, there is no light without darkness um and you know yoga's this dance of the polarities and in practice and with practice we expand our capacity to be with the the range of human experience and i would even say cosmic experience from the um what we would label good to the bad right And so yoga is the rainbows and glitter and it's the shit, right? It's the shit. And and it is the storm cloud. And we understand there is not one without the other when, when we practice. And my practice is a place that supports me in facing both the um, the deep and the dark and the heavy and the surface and and um, the light and the light, right? One question, long answer. Yeah, that was great. I love it. I like smiling ear to ear. I'm like, I can listen to you talk all day long. And I, I love that, you know, you brought up something that my, myself and my own personal practice as a teacher, as a practitioner. And, you know, for the listeners, when we say asana, the poses, and that's something that I know I'm passionate about is that, you know, it's more than just the poses, right? So you mentioned yeah. about the, the limbs and how meditation is a part of that. And sometimes culturally wise, whether how we're raised or we think we always need to be go, go, go. And the more productive mm-hmm. we are and the more movement, the more things we do or check off in our day, you know, that gives us this value when, when actually sometimes it's almost the opposite. It's that ability to sit and be and allow all the thoughts and we, we avoid them, right? We use, like Mm -hmm. you said, movement and, and, you know, people sometimes use substances or, you know, shopping, right? We have all these ways of going outward and, and yoga. And it sounds like we have that kind of in common. It is that time to kind of come and, and sit. And, and when you said the glitter, it came to mind this really fun. I don't know if you've ever done this mindfulness jar activity, um, I used to do it with the kids and you put glitter in a water and like a mason jar and you shake it up, shake it up. And you're kind of having a day and you just feel like the day's overwhelming. And then you shake it, shake it, shake it. And then you put it down on the table and you just watch all the glitter drop to the bottom. And you just mind. Yeah, I do. I do that with my son. I do that uh, with my son. He reminds me when I need a glitter jar shake. He loves to go. <laughs> Mama, uh, I think so you need to go get your glitter jar <laughs> and, and breathe as, as you watch the glitter fall. Yeah. You know, you said something, <clears throat> you know, and I think a lot about the to-do list and checking things off and what we get done in a day. And as you were speaking, 
Um, so one of my favorite writers and most kind of influential writers in my life is Alice Walker, who's also a daughter of Georgia. So that feels important to me. But she has this line that I hope I get right, which is, I think it pisses God off if we walk by a field of you know, purple and we don't recognize it. And as you were talking about the to-do list and getting everything done, I was like, who convinced us <laughs> that um, not noticing the leaf falling to the ground isn't meaningful, isn't productive, you know, and I'm thinking about the Alice Walker quote where she, 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 she tells us, she says, I think God gets real mad by us not noticing, not creating the space, not being in our humanity enough to notice all these beautiful things that she, he, they, right, however you identify your divine, did this for us. And we trying to check some stuff off a to-do list, but haven't included, you know, just I'm sitting in my office right now and I'm looking outside at so many shades of green, I cannot count them. That took me five seconds to pause, turn, look outside and actually see what I was seeing. Okay, now back to the podcast. And so when I'm talking about pausing, resting, being, I'm also talking about that level of practicality of presence in our lives so that we are not um, existing while not actually living and being present to, you know, the touch of the wind on our cheeks, the feel of sun, you know, beaming down, like, for me, there's a practicality to that. And I'm like, and if you have to start by adding, look at the sky to your to-do list, okay then. Because <laughs> right. at some point, you know, the to-do lists might shift or might not. I still love lists, right? I'm like, I love lists. I love spreadsheets. I love those things. And um, I put, I, I leave a lot of gaps in in those lists as well, or I'll put things that remind me to be present and to notice and feel feel life on that list if that's the way I'm gonna get that done, you know? Sure, just adding the word breathe, right? Like <laughs> that's the right. day just goes, or like, you know, or even like eat, go to the bathroom, yeah, all the stuff that I, I sometimes realize I didn't I didn't put in the to-do list. And I, I think that pause recipe and the more I, you know, familiarize myself with that term, um, and the more I'm sure the audience does as well, it is also in that sense that that is also yoga right it's like noticing what's around us it's you know if you said mentioning the colors around us our senses and it's so hard to do that when we yeah when we keep ourselves busy and big thing for me and I like to always ask my guests on here is you know when it comes to self-care or non-negotiables as one of my teachers Sean Korn says is there anything in your life presently that you find is helping you for your day-to-day <laughs> You're asking me what a non-negotiable is? Uh-huh. Deep breaths. Yeah. <laughs> uh, telling myself, I love you. You are doing great. You are doing great. And telling the people that I really love, I love you. You are doing great. Um, so something. probably so lucky to have you there. <laughs> 
Um, and with being in Atlanta, and as I said, I'm new here. So I've been like popping around at different studios and really just trying to find my community. I know that's something that you're big on too. And you started Starshine and Clay. Um, can you share with us a little bit what that looks like? And, you know, if you've pivoted from teaching in person to online and, and what you're most excited for now with this new fall season? Yeah, I used to own a yoga studio called Sacred Chill West with Merle Arnett, who's an incredible meditation teacher. Um, we closed that studio in 2020 and Starshine and Clay um, at the time was a retreat-based experience um, specifically for women who identify as Black, Indigenous, and women of color that I had. And when I closed my studio, I also was like, wow, am I closing this? Because it's in-person retreat-based and it was 2020. And, you know, the answer was no, <laughs> that's not what you're going to do. And I shifted to having an online space um, that does that. But here's the thing, that space deepened into this offering devoted to rest, um, which is a six-month-long kind of mastermind immersion and it concludes in an in-person retreat that focuses on um, again women who identify as black indigenous and people of color women of color who are also in positions of leadership who have founded organizations and who are um, activists in the world that work that I'm doing or that rest that I'm doing focuses on um, cultivating leaders who really, really believe another world is not only possible, but it's, it's on its way as Aaron Dati really reminds us. And that part of another world being possible is we have to have space and time to imagine and dream another way, right? And so what I'm really excited for is I get to work with some of the, and I get to rest with some of the most um, incredible, world-changing, um, creative and dynamic women who are also interested in how rest can be a part of our legacy um, and the way we invoke and activate change in the world. The other thing I'm really interested in for this fall is just good soup and good tea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Speaking my language, I say I'm gonna get one of those like hand emulsor, you know, to make my soup because I, I I'm, again, I'm a Florida girl. So when I used to think of soup, it's like no, like that's only when I'm sick or you know it's too hot. And now it's like all I can think about is this butterfat oh, squash soup. Oh yes, and sweet potato soup, and I yeah, I love soups and chilies and good teas and um, you know, I love fall one of my favorite seasons so and that's what I'm looking for yeah nourishing um self and each other yeah of course well that to me again that that's all yoga right is is putting into our bodies this yumminess of almost like a warm hug right like this internal mm -hmm. hug um mm -hmm. if anyone wants to reach you and learn more about all the amazing offerings you're doing and, and get excited for fall and be a part of that. Um, do you have an Instagram or website you can share with the audience? Yes. Everything's my name, Octavia Rocky 
that's at Octavia Rahim, my website, OctaviaRahim.com. Perfect. That will be in the episode notes. If you like this episode and you want to hear more like them, please subscribe, like, follow, and share. Thank you again for joining us. Until next time, wishing you all good health, lots of love, and happiness. Thank you so much, Octavia. I hope you enjoy your day. Thank you.